Thank you, man. And thank you. It's good to see everybody this morning. Glad you're here. Uh, the first thing I want to do this morning is just to say that I really want to bear witness to what uh, Pastor Jonathan was sharing. I mean, Pastor John, excuse me, shared that prophecy. I uh, got too many Johns around here. Um, but that, I want to just affirm that word of prophecy. Amen. This is a day and an hour when uh, you have to be careful what you hear. And John says in 1 John 4, test the spirits. Test the spirits. It's not what's being said. It's the spirit behind it. And if that spirit is pointing in the wrong direction, if it's not the spirit of the Lord, if it's not the spirit of grace, if it's not the spirit of truth, it's the wrong spirit. Amen. And, and people... There's just all kinds of things going on, but it's a time to watch. So I just want to say amen to that word of prophecy. Amen. Well, again, we were talking about last week, amen, the culture of the kingdom of God and living the life and living in the will of God, amen, creating a culture of, of righteousness Amen. And, and of uh, integrity in the body of Christ. Amen. There's, there's such a need. Amen. And today I want to continue in this theme. And I want to talk about a culture of holiness. Uh, and I've got some things to share with you about holiness. I hope and believe they will be helpful to you this morning. Um, and because there is a way of holiness. A lot of times you say holiness, people get scared. Oh, it's holy. Watch out. You know, and, and uh, but uh, the Lord calls us to holiness. You know, not out of fear, not out of guilt, but with a wonderful invitation to come and to be with him. Amen. And to be holy. And that word holy means several things. One, it means to set apart. Amen. And, and our lives should be holy and that we're set apart to the Lord. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you're not your own. You're bought with a price. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are unique. We're set apart to the service of the Lord. We're set apart to a life of faith and faithfulness. But there's another aspect of holiness, which is that holiness is to be like the Lord because God is holy. Amen. And we're called to be God-like. We're called to be God-like, to be holy like God is holy. In fact, uh, the New Testament, when Paul wrote the, church, the, the churches, what did he write the churches? He says, I write to the saints that are in Corinth. I write to the ones who are holy, to the ones who are set apart. Amen. Because Christians are saints. I know we were sinners, but we're called to be saints. Amen. And the Christian calling is calling from darkness into light. Amen. And so, we're, you know, sin should be in the rearview mirror, not in the windshield. Uh, we're called away from sin, and we are also called away from worldliness. That we can't not be in the world. We have to be in the world. I'm sorry. You got to buy groceries. You got to do this. You got to do that. 
But you don't have to be world-like. You don't love the world or the things of this world. This world is just a temporary place. Amen. We're not to be here permanently. God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And so don't let the things of the world distract you from the things of God. To be holy is in a sense to be other-minded in one way. That would be another word. Another word for holiness would be sanctification. To be made holy. And I want to talk to you this morning because... I know God is speaking to us to come to a place of holiness. Moses was a shepherd in the desert. He'd been there for 40 years herding sheep. Now prior to that, he had been a prince in Egypt. But one day he saw a taskmaster mistreating one of his fellow Hebrews, and he killed that taskmaster, and then he had to flee Egypt to get away from Pharaoh and from his wrath. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness, but one day he's out in the wilderness and he sees something he's never seen before. He sees a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning. It's not being consumed, it's just on fire. Amen? <laughs> By the way, I think that should be kind of a type of a spirit-filled Christian. Yeah. A fire that burns that doesn't consume, Come on. right? And so, but this, when he saw this burning bush, he turned aside to see what it was. And as he walked up to that bush, the Lord says, Moses, take off your shoes for the place you're standing is holy ground. And I thought a lot about this as I was preparing this message, whether I should pause right now and take off my shoes and come up here barefooted. And I thought, no, that would be more Mr. Rogers than holiness. So I don't want to preach about Mr. Rogers this morning. I want to preach about holiness. But there's something about not having your shoes on. That is, my mother used to say, John, don't bring those muddy shoes into this house on my clean floor. So it wasn't about holiness. It was about cleanliness. And I had to take off my shoes at the door. Amen. <laughs> not always. Didn't always do that much good if I had sand on my socks. But anyway, the, the thing is, is, is there's, there's this call to holiness. And there's this call to step into the holiness of God. Amen. Because that day would change Moses' life forever. He would never again be a shepherd. He would become a deliverer. One who would call God's people to liberty. And set them free from the bondages of Egypt. But in order for that to happen, Moses had to encounter God in his holiness. In that fiery bush. Amen. And that changed and transformed his life. Because God was preparing him for what comes next. Moses, I'm going to send you down to Egypt. Because I've heard the cry of my people. And I want you to go and I want you to declare to Pharaoh, let my people go. Okay? Now Moses didn't think he was up to it. <laughs> he didn't think he was up to it. Why are they going to listen? Why is Pharaoh going to listen to me? For that matter, why are your people going to listen to me? Amen. Moses was working through his doubts, through his own impressions of who he was. 
And why were they there? Because God wanted to impress upon Moses who he was. Who God was. That's what he wanted him to get the glimpse of. Is who am I? Because Moses said, well, well, well whom shall I say sent me? Tell them that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent you. He says, but what's your name? I want to know your name. Okay. And then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, I am that I am. And I will be with you. I will be to you what you need me to be. Because I am that I am. By the way, this morning, are you a little bit excited that God's name is a verb? His name is a verb because he's a God of action. He's a God who does things. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. I will be what you need me to be. I will be there when you go before Pharaoh. And I will bring signs and wonders that will turn his heart to release the children of God. But something was about to happen. And Moses had to encounter the Lord in his holiness for that to take place. It changed who Moses was. It changed what Moses did. It changed the rest of his life. The next 40 years would be totally different from the previous 80. Because he encountered the holiness of God. A similar thing took place in Joshua's life when they were getting ready to go into the promised land. And if you look right at the end of Joshua uh, chapter 5, you'll see that Joshua had an encounter with the Lord. It's beginning with verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua said to him, went to him and said to him, Are you for us or our adversaries? And he said, No, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take the sandal off your foot, for the place you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Again, Joshua was called to encounter the Lord and his holiness. What was Joshua getting ready to do? He was getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land and to conquer and to take that land as to fulfill the promise of God. But before he could be a conqueror, before he could be a commander, he had to encounter the commander of the Lord's army. It was a moment of holiness, a moment of revelation. Joshua knew who he was talking to, fell on his face. And then the Lord commanded him, take your shoes off. Amen. When we take off our shoes, in a sense, we're taking away the protection that we have protected ourselves with. 
When you take off your shoes, it's an act of humility. But it also gives you a sense of sensitivity. The bottom of your feet are very sensitive. And I think the Lord would just like the bottom of our feet to be in contact with holy ground. It's really him that makes it holy. He is the holiness. But for you to be in contact with the Lord so that his holiness can impact your life. In the same way, the Lord spoke in general after he'd appeared or before he appeared to, to Joshua. He spoke to the people of Israel and says, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Tomorrow, God will do wonders among you. Again, this call to holiness, this call to sanctification was a call for preparation to what God is about to do. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit bears witness with me this morning. God is about something. He's about to do something. And he wants us to be in that place that we need to be for that something to take place in our lives. He's calling us to a holiness, to a new sense of awareness of who he is and who we are in him and what he has called us to be. Men, another word for holy is different. Okay. Now I call myself different. Some people would call me weird. I don't care what they call me. <laughs> I want to know what God calls me. Yeah, don't call me late to dinner. But I want to know what God calls me. But God says you're holy. He says you're different. Emma, you're supposed to be. Okay? Isn't that nice? We, don't have to, we can be ourselves, but we can be different because we have Jesus in our life. We don't have to be like everybody else. Praise God. So God's calling us to encounter him. Take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. There's many reasons we should want to answer this call to holiness. Because as Joshua and, and Moses, it enables us to see the Lord for who he is. We need to know him as he is. I need to know the Lord as he is. You need to know the Lord as he is. And you need to know yourself as the Lord knows you. Not after the manner of men, but after God's intention. What has he called you to be? What gifts has he given you? What is his will for your life? We can only know that if we're going willing to stand in that place before the Lord on that holy ground. But seeing the Lord is what changes us. So you can imagine why the devil would not want you to see the Lord. See anything but. Amen. The world is trying to hide what God did. You can read in Genesis 1:26, God created them, male and female created he them. In the image and likeness of God, he created them. Okay, so if you're going to mess with the image of God, if you're going to confuse people about who God is, what are you going to do 
you're going to create gender confusion. But real men and real women standing on holy ground reflect the image and likeness of God. And we will not bow. We will not bend. We're going to be who God's called us to be. And there's only two choices. And God made the choice for you, by the way. Be glad you're who you are. <laughs> but you see why they're messing with it? Because they want to mess with who God is. But God is desiring to reveal who he is to us. To see him as he is. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, the Apostle Paul says, But we all, with an unveiled face, with what? unveiled face nothing over our face beholding as in a mirror the glory of God or the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the spirit of the Lord when we see the Lord we are transformed that is what changes us one of my favorite verses is found in 1 John, the third chapter. The first verse through like the third verse where it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And is it seeing the Lord for who he is that changes and transforms you and me? Hallelujah. I believe that when we see the Lord, an impartation takes place. We have greater faith, greater love, greater character and integrity because we have seen the Lord. It changes who we are. When you deal with a real God, it gets rid of what's not real. Gets rid of the false. And everybody, I mean, that word of prophecy, we got to watch out for the false. Because wherever there's truth, there is a lie. But God's called us to be those who follow after the truth. But there's another thing about being on that holy ground. Is our confidence is no longer in who we are. But it is now in who God is. Our confidence is in what the Lord says. The Lord says to Joshua, be strong and be of good courage. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Wherever you go, wherever you put your foot, I will go with you. That's confidence. What did he say to Moses? I will be with you. That's confidence. To know that when you go, you're speaking for God and that God will bear witness to what you're saying. That's confidence. That God has empowered you to set two million people free from slavery. That's confidence. But that confidence didn't come just out of Moses' own heart. It came because he had a revelation of the Lord. And he saw the Lord for who he is. And then in that, he became who God wanted him to be. And this is the power of what I'm sharing with you this morning. But I want to share with you this morning a very important thing. The Lord is the one who makes holiness possible. 
You don't get it on the internet. You can't buy it from Amazon. All of the religious books in the world will probably not help you be holy. There's another way. There is a pathway to holiness. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And I believe there's a powerful revelation, especially for those of you who were baptized this morning. There's a powerful revelation here. If you'll hear it from the book of Hebrews. Turn with me to Hebrews, the ninth chapter. There's a powerful truth here in this book of Hebrews, written to the Hebrews, but written to all of us, written to them to help them see the difference between what was done in Jesus Christ and what was done under the law. And the Lord wanted to open their eyes to something better, something new. And in that sense, I think we all should be like them, willingness, willing to be shown something new, something different. <clears throat> but Hebrews 9, verse 12. Now with the blood of goats and calves, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of the heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? How much more? That's the theme of this book. That's the word of the Lord this morning to us. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through his eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, all of us have this thing called conscience. And our conscience is very strong. But your conscience is informed by your experience. Your conscience is informed by exposure. Most of us had, were exposed to a religious conscience. A, and, and, and mostly that could be boiled down to this. Do this and don't do that. Do more of this and do more less of that. And, and so the emphasis is on, on, you know, you following the rules of religion. Okay? They point the wrong direction, but they don't have the power to get you there. Or they point the right direction, but they don't have the power to get you there. That's, if they had, Jesus would not have to come. But Jesus came because they couldn't do it. Because those sacrifices had to be offered year after year after year, over and over and over again. And every time they went through that ritual, they were reminded of their sinfulness. And their conscience was of their sinfulness. Their conscience was of what was wrong with them. And many of you this morning are bound by your conscience. You know what sin is and you know, you think you know what's wrong with you, but you don't. But the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse us. 
from that conscience of dead works of that belief that somehow we can sanctify ourselves we cannot I could not save myself you cannot save yourself you cannot sanctify yourself it is a work of grace done by the Lord Jesus Christ in our life and through the power of his blood that is the only way we can be made holy but that conscience of sin has to be purged from our minds I knew a woman many years ago in another place and she came to me guilt-ridden from having had an abortion before she was a Christian and I counseled with her and I prayed with her and I told her that that is under the blood and I prayed for her that she would be free from that guilt about 10 or 12 years later she and her husband came to see Judy and I, and by that time, they had three beautiful daughters. And we're sitting there and talking, and, and then the conversation says, you remember my sin? I go, what are you talking about? My sin. I said, I don't remember anything about your sin. She says, you remember? Then she whispered, my abortion. I said, I'd completely forgotten about it, because it's under the blood. It was taken. That conscience of sin should have been taken. But there was something in her that could never get away. I have done this terrible thing, and I, it will affect me the rest of my life. No, 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 no. Because the blood of Jesus Christ has the power to cleanse us from that conscience of sin. And maybe you've been through something tragic. Maybe you've been through a broken relationship. Maybe you have failed in some way or another. But the Lord doesn't want you to spend the rest of your life rehearsing the details of that sin. He wants by the power of his blood to remove that consciousness from your mind. And bring an awareness of who he is and his holiness and his goodness and his love for you. And break the power of that thing over your life so it will never control you again because that's what it does it tries to control us then read with me Hebrews 9 26 he would he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world but now once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself Jesus appeared to put away sin religion always emphasizes forgiveness forgiveness is a wonderful thing but forgiveness has a twin brother born from the same womb at the same time and if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness the power of the cross the power of the blood is not just to bring forgiveness but to bring deliverance from sin the remission of sin the removal of sin Hallelujah. Yeah. Whew. I'm getting old. Yeah. 
I'm 73 years old. I've lived a long time. I've been a Christian a long time, but I'm glad to tell you this morning, the sins of the past are mile deep, but they're not there anymore. I still have a few the Lord probably wants to sweep out of my life, but they're nothing compared to what was there before. All of this is gone. I don't do it anymore. I don't even think about it. It's gone. That's the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood brings the remission of sins. And turn with me now to the 10th chapter. And bear with me if you will. Because this is a little longer. But what I'm reading here is so powerful. There's a revelation in this. Sacrifice, or I'm going to begin with the beginning of the verse. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice, offering, and burnt offerings, and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor did you have any pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And then he said, Behold, I've come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he might establish the second. By that will by that will I'm going to say it again by that will the will of the son by that will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all hallelujah and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. One thing the Lord said in the Sermon on the Mount was to avoid repetition. Avoid repetitious prayers. (laughs) I think there's so many things there. But avoid going around the mountain again and again and again. If you've been around the mountain 40 times, you're not going to see anything new. Not only that, you're not going to go anywhere new. <laughs> okay. Just, just to say, you know. They just keep doing it over and over again. But verse 12. But this man. Just say that to yourself. But this man, Jesus. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, set down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. For, listen, important, for by one offering, he has perfected forever them that are being sanctified. We don't understand why God had to come in bodily form. 
The first Adam sinning in a God-made body with a God-made spirit disobeyed what God had commanded. And in that disobedience brought sin and death into the world that would affect everyone until a man who was born who came into this world to do the will of God. To do what the first Adam did not do. He came to do nothing but the will of God. He did the will of God at all times and in all things. Obedient even to the death of the cross. He came to obey. He came and he obeyed God in a physical form like yours and like mine. He was not a spirit going around doing what men could never do. He was a man, the man, Christ Jesus. I know he was the eternal son of God, but he was also the son of man come in the flesh to do what no man had ever been able to do until that time, and that is to obey the Lord completely and perfectly. And through the offering of his body, guess what? He opened a door. He opened a door. He opened a door. We see the power of the blood, but this morning, I'm pointing you to also to the power of the body. That perfect body that was offered up for us, for our sake, that he might sanctify forever. That he might sanctify forever. That's the power of our trust in what Jesus did in his body. He did it for our sake. That we might be able to obey God. Some of us struggle. Can I really obey? Just be honest with you this morning. Every time I preach, and I know this is the same with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Sam and maybe Pastor John. He's never said so. But every time you preach, you just wonder, am what I'm sharing today the thing I'm supposed to be sharing? Am I really hearing God? Is this really, you know, and I was a little worried this morning till they got the long last song and started to sing about the power of the blood. Oh, I got it. Woohoo, we're on the same page. But all of us have that, you know, can I obey? The word is this morning, you can obey. You can obey the Lord. You can do what God wants you to do because Jesus did what God wanted him to do. And in the power of his body, that perfect sacrifice, he sanctifies forever. Hallelujah. Those who put their trust in him. Praise God. Praise God. Now you say, well, John, what's our part? You'll find our part right here in chapter 10, verse 19. And excuse me while I read here a little bit. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter by the holiest, by the blood of Jesus. How do you have boldness? To enter the holiest. We're not talking about a holy place. We're talking about the holy of holies. The holiest. 
by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with a true heart. That's our responsibility. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Amen. We need to encourage each other with these words this morning that we are able to do what God has called us to do. We're able to be who God's called us to be. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hallelujah. Can you rejoice with me this morning in the much more of God? The much more of God. Alexander the Great was getting ready to go out on an expedition. Before he did, he gave away all of his gold and silver, I think. And somebody said, what are you taking with you? You know what his answer was? He said it in Latin. I'm not going to. But he said, a hope for more and greater things. I'm willing to give up this bit for more and greater things. Alexander the Great was not a Christian, but he was wise and he was a good leader in some ways. But he knew something, that it was possible to have more and greater through the hope in his own heart. How much more for us who are born again to a living hope through the Lord Jesus Christ. What is God's will for you this morning? What's God's will for me? What's God's will for us? More and better. More and better. God's calling us into that holy place. More and better. We need to rest on the Lord's finished work and enjoy these benefits and these privileges of what has been obtained for us through His perfect obedience and sacrifice. What I share now is not scripture, but it's real. Thursday night, I had a dream. It was different from any dream I'd ever had before. I was in a prayer meeting. I think it was right here. You know how dreams are. You don't always pay attention to all the details. At least I don't. I'm just trying to sleep. And I was praying, and suddenly... I was sitting with Jesus. All I was aware of was Jesus. I was not conscious of myself or anything else, just Him. He didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I was just sitting with a precious friend, experiencing a deep, deep joy and incredible peace. I was completely aware of how much he loved me. And I was aware of how much I loved him. Like I say, 
We weren't talking. We had a communion between us from one heart to the other heart. He was just smiling at me and looking at me, and I was just smiling back. <laughs> and suddenly, I could hear the prayer meeting going on, and I just pushed it away. I wanted to spend more time with Jesus. It was so precious. It was so real. It was so wonderful. The reason we enter into the holiest of all is that we might have this kind of joy, that we might have this kind of peace, not resting on who we are, but resting in Him. Resting in Him, knowing, you know, in that dream, I didn't even think for a moment, I have no right to be here. I mean, sometimes I would have thought that. But in that moment, in that dream, I couldn't think I have no right to be here. I just felt privileged. <laughs> this is wonderful. I don't know how this happened, but it's going on. And it's real. It was real to me. I think it was more than a dream. But it was so precious. It was so precious. that that's why Jesus died, shed his blood, and gave his body that we might have that kind of communion with him. The reason to enter in, so many, but come with a full assurance of your faith, a boldness to enter into the holy place, into the holy of holies with the Lord Jesus Christ, because he rent that veil with his flesh. He rent the veil. There's nothing can separate us from him now. Now, this privilege should never be taken for granted. I want to say this as I close. This privilege of walking with Jesus should never be taken advantage of. We should never purposely and intentionally sin. Did you hear me? We should never purposely and intentionally sin. Sometimes we just take the wrong turn. But if we do, we need to go back and get it right with the Lord and receive his forgiveness and cleansing. So we should never intentionally do the wrong thing. That's important. But something equally important and maybe more important is we should never attempt to be holy by our own measure and methods. Mm -mm. He is the potter. We are the clay. We used to sing a song many years ago when this church first started, when I first got here anyway. It's a new and living way. Walk ye in it. It's a new and living way God has planned. I am walking day by day. And I'm guided and led by his right hand. There's been a way made into the holiness for us. The holiest place. The holiness of God. And you walk in it. You step in it because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. Hallelujah. Close the service today. 
I'm just going to ask you right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask for any music. It's very simple. I don't do this very often, but I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head. If you have been suffering from a terrible conscience and awareness of sin in your life, I'm going to ask you right now, just simply, right where you are, just ask Jesus. And just ask Jesus to remove that consciousness of sin. Ask him to remove that consciousness of sin. Ask him to give you a consciousness of him and let the power of his blood cleanse your conscience and remit your sins. As a man of God this morning, I stand here and I remit your sins that they not have any power over your life through the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're here this morning. You're struggling with guilt. Jesus is here this morning to bring you peace through the power of forgiveness. For by his blood, he brings the cleansing and forgiveness of our sins. Amen. The Lord can forgive you. Everybody wonders about the unforgivable sin. It's so rare, nobody even hardly knows what it is. Everybody, some, most, most, some people have an opinion. But the thing is, so what I'm saying to you this morning is God is able. His mercy is great. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth to every generation. His grace is greater than your sin. Just ask him for that greater grace to come right now and work in your heart and in your mind, in your soul, and in your spirit. To come and do a cleansing work in your life. Now, if he speaks to you to put something away, you do it. But only do it at his command. He will show you what it is in your life that should not be there. Again, remember, he's the one who sanctifies us. We are the clay. He's the potter. Let him form and let him shape you by his will. Man. Hallelujah. Man, just right now, just for a moment, meditate on the power of Jesus offering his perfect body of obedience for our sake. And this morning, I believe we just need to receive that gift. Amen. There's so many things that are in the cross. The remission of sins, the healing of our sickness, the taking away of, of our anxieties and torments. But in that is also the power to obey. To live, to live in a newness of life. In a newness of life. Jesus said, behold, 
I make all things new. The Lord is in the business of making things new in our life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just thank him for what he's doing in your heart right now. Just thank him. Receive it by faith this morning. Receive it and believe it. This is the will of God that we believe on him whom he has sent. And this morning I've tried to share with you what that means to the best of my ability. But I want you to believe on him whom he has sent. And trust the work that he has done in your life right now. And let him be the one who sanctifies and makes you holy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.